We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another emergency update podcast edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today to work through all of the emotional baggage of the last 24 hours. This may sound familiar because we just did this maybe 12 hours ago. I, it might not even have been 12 hours since the last time that we had a conversation based around this. But joining me today is my podcasting cousin, or my, excuse me, my cousin from across the pond. My pod, he's, I'm so I'm so mixed up emotionally. I can't <laughs> even get through the intro at this point. God damn, it's Adam Taylor. Adam Taylor's here, man. What's going on, dude? What's good, man? So we only done an episode yesterday. It's probably had about 10 people listen to it because we're already <laughs> yeah. recording on the top of that one. Man, I, t- I tweeted out yesterday that a trade was going to happen while I was asleep. Lo and mm-hmm. behold, it happened while I was asleep. But I, I, it happened a lot later in the night for me than what I'd expect. So by the time I woke up, the trade news was still, the wound was very open. Yeah, yeah and so it's I, been, and you know, just to kind of set the timeline. So obviously, you know, yesterday it starts to trickle out. Chris Dapps Porzingis to the Celtics. Three-team trade involving the Clippers. Brogdon's going to the Clippers. We recorded a whole podcast probably about 5 Eastern time-ish. Yesterday, we went live, talked about all the ramifications. What does this mean? Fast forward, you know, I think about five hours later to about 10 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 Eastern timeline, and the trade falls apart. Trade falls apart. The Clippers are out. Brogdon's injury has become, you know, a part of the deal that that the Clippers do not want to move forward with anymore. So the Celtics essentially say, all right, let's forget the Clippers. Washington still has the incentive to get this done. They want to move forward, but they need a third team. Working up against a midnight deadline of Chris Dapps Porzingis to opt into his deal to even make this thing you know, to, to make it possible. So you're working with about an hour and a half, two hour timeline to go ahead and get this done. Now, Keith Smith reported you could have, you know, kicked that deadline back a little bit to give yourself more time, but that wasn't the case. And ultimately, Memphis replaces the Los Angeles Clippers as that third team. And the Celtics still end up with Chris Apps Porzingis. They do get two first round picks. They move up from 35 to 25 in tonight's draft. They get a 2024 Golden State top four protected pick from Memphis in the deal. Tyus Jones ends up in Washington along with the Celtics 35th pick and Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. And then the 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 one that, that really has left much of Celtic Nation frazzled, as you could tell by my intro this morning, Marcus Smart is now a Memphis Grizzly. That's still that, that feels really weird to say, Adam. But it sounds right at the same time. 
right? Like, my- I mean, I mean, real quick, I like this is not trying to, to toot my own horn, but you know, my trade proposal from a few weeks ago was Marcus Smart for Tyus Jones, Santi Aldama, and a protected first round pick. Not too far off. Not too no, far no, off. No. We just so didn't have I the third team in there. Just didn't have the third team and didn't see the Porzingis move. Bro. But you know, I mean, I mean, I think so. From a Celtics perspective, this just emotionally really hurts. But I do think Memphis. I mean, it's part of why I thought that deal made sense that I proposed a few weeks ago. It feels like a really good fit for Marcus Smart. Yeah, he's kind of just taking over that Mike Conley role at this point. Like that's kind of how I've viewed it. I think that for me, I understand where everybody's coming from in terms of, and I, I saw a really good quote earlier from Jared Royce, Royce put it out there, kind of leading into one of his articles where it was like, they didn't just trade Marcus Smart, but they traded a culture. Yeah. Right. Because Marcus Smart, he, he's been there for pretty much the entire Brad Stevens era. He, he's been the glue. He outlasted Kyrie, outlasted Kemba, outlasted Terry. He's been there all the way through Jason and Jaden's careers. Nine seasons, five Eastern Conference final appearances, 108 playoff games. This is what I'm saying, right? Like he was, and the thing is, it's very clear he enjoyed, he loved, he embraced being a Celtic. And I think this is where fans are hurting right now. Removing ourselves from the emotion, looking at this logically, the Celtics won this trade, right? You come away with the best player in the deal, in Chris Stapp's Porzingis, talent-wise. You come away with two first-round draft picks. You achieve what you were trying to do by moving up in the draft. Washington get Tyus Jones, which Memphis had been reported to be looking and working with Tyus to find him a place where he could be a starter. He gets that now, assuming CP3 gets moved on or ups out. And then Memphis get Marcus Smart. The best player in the draft, sorry, in the draft, the best player in the trade comes to Boston. Two first-round picks come to Boston. I understand why Brad made this deal, but there's ju- it's just raised so many questions now. You know, the Clippers pull out of this deal with Brogdon. Then you get Windy reporting that for the for short in the short term, there's probably not going to be a deal that you can make to move on from Brogdon. Okay, cool. So Brogdon's probably not going to be playing for a while, mm-hmm. but the Celtics just traded away their starting point guard. Derek White is a capable starting guard. I mean, he Are you is going... your starting point guard now. Yeah, exactly. And he's more than capable. And I think that, you know, we're going to see a different version of Derek White. There'll be a bit more aggression there. But now Peyton Pritchard, a guy that was so vocal about wanting to go around the trade deadline, you know, the rumors had surfaced that he'd requested a trade to Brad. Now, all of a sudden, he's the primary backup while Brogdon's out. Is there another move to be made to bring in another guard? I see a bunch of people saying they need to go and get OG Ananobi or Siakam, and I'm like, well, these dudes aren't going to solve anything. How? I mean, first of all, how do you do that? Like, uh, I, don't, do, I, don't, I don't have no. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing right there. Like, yeah, in, in my fantasy world, I'd love to have those guys on the team too without giving yeah, but up. it doesn't solve the need anyway, right? Now your need is another guard just to feel like that. We've gone from having a log jam to having two guys where it's like, okay, Derek White's a bona fide starter. I'm fine with that. Payton mm-hmm. Pritchard, I'm very fine with him being a backup guard. How long is Brogdon that for? What type of Brogdon are you going to get when he's back? I mean, Should... that's the that's the biggest question mark, right? Is the is the Brogdon the Brogdon piece the bro the whole Brogdon pieces? I think there's like even a whole separate conversation about how weird this is. That hey, yeah, you were traded for like five hours, but now you're <laughs> back, and now hey, we're going to help you get better. You know, like there's this weird massaging that needs to happen, and you know, like like you said in the report from Windhorse that there's probably no immediate short term solution to this other than just 
whether there's surgery, no surgery, or, or, or even figure out, we, we just don't even know enough. So I don't, I don't even really know how to speak on the Brogdon part to it yet because it, it's really just just kind of a guess. And, and yeah, I think there's probably, I mean, it feels like there's another move to be made here. What it is, I don't know, because right now, when you look at the core of what you would assume is the main rotation, Porzingis, while extremely talented coming off one of his best seasons, arguably potentially his best season, injury risk. Rob Williams, we know, injury risk. Malcolm Brogdon, already injured, potentially heading into next year. Al Horford's getting up there in age at 37. So, yeah, minutes restrictions. So you're looking at a whole bunch of caveats to this deal that, you know, while I agree with you, because I'm I'm in the same boat, when you look at it in a vacuum of – because, listen, Mike Muscala – inconsequential to me. He, he wasn't going to be a main rotation. Guy. He could have saved you some minutes in the regular season, but he was never going to be, you know, a guy getting substantial playing time when it really mattered. And if he was something had gone wrong, you know, Danilo Gallinari never suited up for the Celtics as much as, you know, that story was great. I wish that had worked out differently. You, you, you don't really need to put that into this equation. So when you really think about what the deal was and it's Marcus smart and, you know, the 35th pick in the draft, to move up 10 spots in the draft, get a first-round pick next year, and you get Chris Dapps Porzingis, that's more value. And this is the thing. It hurts emotionally to, to actually see Marcus Mark on. But let's not act like every every single one of you probably listening, and, it, and we're guilty of it too on this podcast, we've all traded Marcus Smart 1,200 times in, in at least seven out of the nine years that he's played for the Celtics. <laughs> he's been in every construction of a trade imaginable. And I don't think many of us would have – ever thought that hey Kristaps Porzingis and two first round picks are going to come in when you send Marcus Smart out that sounded more like a trade that we might have made with Jalen Brown's name two three years ago you know what I mean like that was more realistic than Marcus Smart I know obviously you know context matters and and where we're at you know a few years later but Marcus Smart for Kristaps and and two first like in a vacuum that is you know that's a talent upgrade and with this new CBA that we keep talking about late first round picks, even if it's pick 25 or whatever that golden state, which by the way, we now have a very vested interest in what happens with Draymond green and golden state next season, because that pick could be anywhere from, you know, middle of the first to, yeah, they could be awesome, but that could also be a mid first round pick late lottery pick. Like there's also that potential with that pick as well. So, you know, for Marcus Smart to turn into that, you know, at the end of the day, removing the emotion, it's a pretty solid return. But we're not robots, Adam. So the emotion, it, it it just stinks. There's no other way around that part. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, man. Like I didn't see this coming. It kind of took me by surprise. It kind it does sting. If anyone listened that... to the pod we put out right before this, we even said, Well, at least now we think Marcus Smart is staying. Once we yeah. thought Bragdon <laughs> was gone, we even definitively said, Well, at least we can put to bed the Marcus Smart the trade smart rumors for this offseason. Five hours later, he's in Memphis Grizzly. And you know what's what's worse, man? Like uh, you see it happen, and then all the questions come about what the next move's going to be, and then you have a certain section of the fan base that are obviously big Marcus Smart fans. And what hurts is that you, I'm seeing people telling them guys like, "Yo, just be happy that we got KP." Like, like people let people be fans the way they want to be fans. But I will say that I'm very intrigued on where the next move comes. I also think that I do agree with the people saying this was kind of a Bill Belichick move by Brad. Yeah. Saw regression in Marcus Smart's game last season. You understand the injury history, the way he plays. He was never going to be conducive to a long, long career in terms of like high-level production. Get out a year too early rather than a year too late. 
that makes a ton of sense. I, whoever said that, I'm paraphrasing what someone else said. Um, I'll credit you if I remember in a moment. And then you're seeing like the new thing that's floating ground now is like, hey, let's go get Scoot. That, that's what we need to do now. We need to go get Scoot. Cool. So yeah, we're going to lose. I, I couldn't disagree more on that, to be honest. That's we're going to lose Marcus Andrade. I mean, look, yeah. I am one of the biggest. I want to say the biggest. I am very, very lower on Jalen Brown than what mm-hmm. most of the fan base are. I think we're all very aware of this. I'm not going to yeah. lie. You don't trade Jalen Brown the same summer you trade Marcus Smart. Not for Scoot Henderson. Now, if it was let's go get Lamelo Ball, and we're getting Jay- we're moving on from Jalen Brown, you could probably convince me. I think there's Ugh, a world. I think I'm even more out on that idea. To be really? Honest. I just I listen. This is more. I understand Lamelo's talented. I don't know that I see a ton of of winning basketball with him, and, and and I could be be biased just in what we've seen in his short NBA career. I know the talents there. I'm not trading Jalen Brown for Lamelo Ball. I could They're, be convinced. That, yeah, I I just think that would be that would be a hard one for me. And, and, and you know, I think this gets back to a conversation Greg and I had. I think maybe last week where we were throwing around a couple hypotheticals, and one of which, and this is back when we were talking about DeAndre Ayton, if I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And we just threw it around. It was like, you know, what if it was Marcus Smart and Al Horford? And Greg brought up a point of there's probably a change that needs to be made. And I think that's, listen, for all the stuff that we want to say about Marcus, the intangibles, the heart, all of this, we kind of ended up with the same team with the same issues. And he's one of the leaders of that. So if there was going to be a change, like we said, it's much harder to change the two all NBA guys than it is probably the third person when you're looking at that culture ladder and that's Marcus smart. So it's a little bit easier to change. So Greg's argument was if we're going to trade for a guy like DeAndre Ayton, which would have been a risk and you're trading Marcus smart and Al Horford, that's probably a little bit too much of your identity is trading, you know, cause I would consider Al with those other three guys I mentioned as really the four main core components of what has made up the personality of this team over the last five years, even with Al being gone for a few seasons, I think he's really been a, a big part of this. And so trading the two of them, in his opinion, was a little bit too much to remove from the core. If you put it as Brogdon and, you know, Horford, then it made a little bit more sense or, or changed it up in, in some other way. And so, you know, I think right now moving on from Marcus, you know, I, I think the Brogdon thing is so fascinating because I, I still would think that would be the next move to try to get another whatever the next step is. But now because of this injury, you can't make that move. I don't know. But I think it it brings me back to the point of you, I don't think Jalen Brown's going anywhere. I think he's getting the Supermax. I think we can just put that to bed for me personally. That's what I think is going to happen. I feel pretty strongly. About- I'm very happy about that, but it's probably what's going to happen. I think it is. I mean, I don't know. We're on different sides of that, but that's we, we don't want to get into that for this one. But you know, like it's the Celtics are definitely losing the culture piece. Like you talked about quoting from, from Jared Weiss, but also that culture didn't win anything. That culture also had the same faults over and over again. So something needed to change, maybe not a dramatic change because you've been in the Eastern conference finals five times in the last seven years. But at some point you have to change something. This is the move. Will it work? I don't know, but in a vacuum, the value is really good. And the same people that are killing Brad for making the deal will be the ones that killed him if he just ran it back next year. Like exactly, you you have to take a risk, and you have to understand that every trade in itself is a risk. Whether you're trading for an injury prone player, whether you're not, you when the Celtics acquired Gordon Hayward, granted it wasn't a trade, he wasn't an injury prone guy coming into Boston, broke his leg in the first game. Then ever since then he's been injury prone. I get it. Yeah. But the point I'm making is every deal, every acquisition, be it trade, free agent, whatever, is a risk. 
So I understand that Paul Zingas is injury prone, and I understand that I was very vocal about Malcolm Brogdon's injury issues when they acquired him because it's a risk and there's a chance that Paul Zingas, as I said on yesterday's episode, stays healthy because it's a contract year and he wants to prove that and there's a chance to win a championship and he's, he's not going to be the highest usage guy on the rotation. But there's also a chance that he doesn't play much. There's also a chance that Malcolm Brogdon is out for the season. There's a chance that Marcus Smart goes to Memphis and flops. You, everything is a 50-50. Everything's at, on the, the table start. right yeah. now. Yeah. So, look, as you say, you had to make a change. They've, Brad Stevens has made a change, and he won that change in terms of assets coming in versus assets going out. The Boston have improved asset-wise. This was a good deal. It sucks because it's Marcus Smart, but it's a good deal. Which so, is just funny, right? How many times we fake traded him, and then when it actually happens, we're all everyone's like, about no. it. I know, as if I, we can't go through the search history of everybody's tweets here and find all the different trade machine iterations that involve Marcus Smart. But it, it's just funny the way sports works like that. And, you know, part of that, I've always said, speaks to the value that Marcus Smart had, where, you know, he's just not quite Jalen and Jason. And so if we're not trading those guys and you want to get something in return, he's kind of the next option. And, and that's ultimately where we landed. I think, you know, when we record later this weekend uh, and we figure out whatever happens later on tonight and we discuss that, you know, I think we'll probably have a little bit of a look back on Marcus Smart's time. He, he deserves that. He really was a, a true Celtic in, in every meaning of the word. The Tommy point, you know, that that really imbibed, you know, Marcus Smart. So we'll have more on that. But quickly, Adam, here before we wrap up. Tonight's NBA draft just got a lot more interesting for the Boston Celtics. Yeah. They're 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 picking in the first round. We talked yesterday that there were some some murmurs about them potentially wanting to move up. We t- we even floated out a few guys that maybe they could target. You know, if the Celtics stay at twenty five, you've done more research on on the draft than I have. Is there anybody that you think that was maybe out of range and thirty five that now is in range in twenty five that? Kind of piques your interest, also taking into account the changes that have been made. Yeah, probably, probably Ben Shepard. So okay. shooter from Belmont, I believe. Yeah, just yeah. a straight up shooter. Arguably between him and Grady Dick, arguably mm-hmm. the best shooter in the draft. Uh, probably the best overall movement shooter in the draft. There's an argument to be made there as well between I can't remember who the other guy is, but he's just a high level shooter that's going to translate. Um, if you're in Joe Mazzulla's offensive system, having an additional movement shooter isn't a bad thing, especially if you're looking for more floor spacing so you can run some post-action with Paul Zingas or Tatum. I like Ben Shepard at that 25 range. Also, wouldn't be mad if they kind of just blew the whole trade rotation up and went for Kobe Bryant anyway. Not going to, like, you know, or they package 25 and next year to move into the teens and bring in somebody like Hood Shafina. Yeah, uh, I think that's the I think the two picks they got yesterday get translated into a lottery pick for today. That's going to be my take. All right. Well, we'll have to see. Tonight's going to get super interesting. So a night that I was planning to be casually watching, I'm now locked in. Uh, going to see what happens with the Celtics tonight. Could be really interesting. Adam, uh, this league and this team, constantly keeps us on our toes so hopefully we won't be recording again in five more hours with a new update hopefully this will at least get to breathe for a few days before we record this weekend but as always great hanging out with you my friend chris at porzingis is a boston celtic marcus smart who the fuck is pingus pingus (laughs) chris daps porzingis we'll see you guys later speak tomorrow everybody there's going to be a i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.